This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, John Ford, thanks very much for, for coming back on Talk Your Book. We had you on here probably about six months ago speaking about uh, PDI, which I think has been a three-bagger since then. So a lot of interest in you coming back on and, and thanks for, for taking the time. Uh, Chris, thanks for inviting me back. I um, really enjoyed it first time around. And um, yeah, lucky enough to pick predictive at that point. And um, yeah, it's now the biggest holding. It's the biggest holding in our fund. And um, yeah, we haven't haven't sold a share and we, we're, we're expecting it's got a couple more legs to it. And it was a big year last year for, for Lale Resources Fund, maybe... We'll, uh, we'll give you the, the opportunity for, for a humble brag here because you'd have a great year. What did, what did you guys do last year in terms of returns? Yeah, look, on the financial year, we were up over 40% to 30, 30 June. You know, June, um, you know, it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword in terms of having a rule off for the financial year because it's generally a soft, you know, we go into the Northern Hemisphere summer period and, and, and things get soft in junior resources and, and elsewhere, I guess. But, um, yeah, you know, we were, we were um, up even further uh, back in May, but, um, you know, we're very happy with that performance. And, and since June, um, you know, July has been good, good for the junior resources sector. It's kicked on. Um, and so the funds um, started the financial year pretty well. And what stock did you want to talk about today? Look, it's a stock that we've been in for in 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 for some time um, called Caravel Caravel Minerals. Um, you know, classic West Perth Junior with a, with a project in in Western Australia, which has got a lot of benefits at the moment, um, given the given the COVID restrictions and travel. Um, so uh, yeah, um, and heavily exposed to the copper market. So we'll dig into to Caravel in a second, but maybe before we get into that, if we just have a, a helicopter view of the, the copper market more broadly, um, a lot of the viewers and listeners will be familiar with the the, uh, the EV thematic, but also renewable uh, energy and, and how heavily those two things use copper. Do you want to maybe just explain for the people why uh, copper usage is going up so much in a bit more detail and maybe what's happened to average grades mined around the world in the last 10 years? Sure. Look, well, it, it's widely known that um, the intensity of copper usage in an electric vehicle is uh, at least three times what you would see in an internal combustion engine. Uh, and I don't need to talk about the, the global moves towards um, EVs. Uh, you know, every almost every vehicle manufacturer is moving from uh, internal combustion engines to electric vehicles, some some a lot faster than others. So that, that thematic is uh, very strong. And look, you know, while battery chemistry is a bit of a moving feast, you know, lithium is obviously dominant um, at the moment. It will be for a number of years, but um, there's so much research and work going on into different battery chemistries that picking, picking the battery chemistry that will be um, dominant in you know, 20 years, let alone, you know, maybe 10, next 10 is virtually impossible. So um, copper is a very good way to play um, the 
decarbonisation, um, electrification theme. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, so that's the that's the demand side. Um, on the on the supply side, look, uh, you know, there's there's near term um, restrictions on the market, which are you know um, both uh, political and economic, if you like. You know, the two biggest producers, national, you know, by nation, um, are Peru and Chile. And they're both going through a lot of issues at the moment, um, ranging from just you know ongoing industrial relations action um, through to uh, the threat of huge increases in um, royalty rates and uh, fiscal impositions on the on the mining industry in those countries. So um, you know we're we're seeing. Um, uh, the potential and, and the and the actual restriction on on supply right now. Um, we're also, you know, seeing uh, you know things like you know just anecdotally, I read yesterday that um, there's an issue with bandits in in Africa stealing stealing copper being shipped out of places like um, the Congo and Zambia. You know, Zambia's you know 10% of global global copper supply, um, and you know, uh, metal traders are the ones who really do the heavy lifting in terms of getting copper from the mines to the markets. And they're being subject to, um, you know, their trucks being hijacked, copper stolen. Um, you know, that's that's just an indication of, um, uh, you know, where the, um, where the copper price is, that it's worthwhile to do that and, and take the risk of risk of doing that. So um, there's all these factors at play that, um, you know, underlie uh, a strong copper market right now, and, and um, you know it for the for the foreseeable future as well. And so, talk me through Caravel's core deposit. What what size is it, and and what's the grade maybe as a as a starting point? Yeah, so it's a it's a big, low grade um, project. So it's got uh, over six hundred million tons of resource at a grade of 0.28 percent copper. So that is you know. That's definitely definitely low. Uh, so you need to look at other factors which will potentially make that project, you know, economic. Um, and there are a number of those that, you know, while the headline number is looks and is low, there's a number of those factors which actually make this project a real, you know, um, a great lever to the to the copper price. And you know, while we expect the copper price to continue to move up. Um, you know, at today's copper prices of around you know four dollars thirty US a pound, that project that project is a you know on paper is a is a screamer. And some of those other factors, maybe we start with the the strip ratio and the the fact that it is potentially an open open pit mining operation with a, a homogeneous ore body that's potentially pretty easy to mine. Do you want to walk us through those two two issues? Yeah, exactly. So it's a nice thick. Um, consistent ore body. It does have um, a layer of uh, unmineralized uh, cover on top, which I think is about um, you know thirty or forty meters thick. So they're going to need to move that, but that will be free dig, I expect. Um, I you don't need to use explosives. It's not it's not hard rock. You just be able to um, excavate it with a with a standard excavator and move it 
So um, that that contrib will contribute to the strip ratio. But once you've got that off the top, and that's that's a very common thing to you know these days to have have to you know um, deal with a deposit that's undercover. You know most most new discoveries are are undercover these days. If you look at you know say uh, the big Hemi discovery in the Pilbara, that's under you know about the same thickness of, of cover sands. So get rid of that. But then, you know, the strip ratio, look, you know, who's, who knows what it'll end up being, but, um, you know, it, it's going to be low, you know, you know, two or two or three to one, you could, you could possibly envisage it getting down to that, that sort of level. And I think you're talking about the economies of scale. So if you're talking about um, 30 million tonnes per annum of ore being mined, you're talking about moving, you know, a total volume of material of maybe 100 million tonnes. That's a lot. But it does generate, you know, economies of scale and drives down the um, per tonne per ton mining cost. And because it's um, a deposit which is not, you know, a whole lot of little narrow veins that need to be mined with a teaspoon, it's a really nice thick, you know, zones you're getting, you know, 100 metres um, in the thickest, you know, plus 100 metres thick, um, you know, running sort of 0.3 and some of those zones that they're drilling at the moment and are getting results of sort of 0.5% copper, which for them is, is high grade. Um, those, those beautiful thick um, uh, zones, which will be hopefully converted into ore, that's, that's, that's very much bulk tonnage mining and the lowest cost mining you can, apart from, you know, maybe, um, you know, long wall, you know, strip mining for, for coal, this is pretty low cost mining, and there's the potential then to to increase the resource even from where it's at now. Yeah, look, um, certainly some of the results that they've been getting uh, indicate that they'll push the uh, the depths of the potential open pit to beyond 450 meters below surface, and that's a that's a big that's a big open pit. Um, you know, most of the operations, you know, in WA probably. You know they might average 200 meter deep open pit, so that's a that's a deep open pit. Um, then they've been um, they've been drilling out their resource, you know, on the west zone, but they've also got an east zone which really hasn't seen much recent attention, uh, and that will um, add hopefully to the resource when they come to drill it in the second half of the year. And then they've got a number of other satellite deposits, which also haven't um, had a lot of drilling of late, um, such as Dasher um, uh, along Strike. So that will also, as I understand it, get drilled, um, you know, over the over the coming Australian summer. So there's there's a, a number of uh, you know potentials to push this deposit. It's currently got about 1.8 million tons of contained copper in the resource. Uh, certainly the uh, hope is that they'll push it through well through 2 million tonnes of contained copper. And what sort of life of mine do you think it'll end up having once once all the drilling is complete? Yeah, look, they're talking about a 30-year life of mine, which is, you know, that's, um, that's the sort of mine life that attracts at least the mid-tier miners, probably not, not something um, that the majors like BHP and Rio would look at, but certainly the mid-tier guys, that's, um, you know, if they can, um, you know, see a mine life of plus 10 to 15 years, that's what gets them excited. So 30 years is, um, you know, that's a, that's a generation really, isn't it? And what's its current market cap? 
They're trading um, uh, around uh, about 140, 150 million dollars um, market cap, and the quarterly will come out today as we're speaking. But I think they've probably got um, uh, around seven, seven odd million dollars in cash. And the capex for the project is forecast to be somewhere around 500 million. Is that right? Look, um, they did a scoping study. Uh, when was that? Back in that's a couple of years old now, um, and the capex was, you know, um, a, a, around there. But um, certainly, we have seen uh, capex and opex inflation in the mining industry in the last couple of years. So, you know, I would expect, you know, what we're seeing in the miners, mining industry is maybe. You know, in that period, we've seen a 25%, you know, increase in um, in CapEx and, and OPEX. And, and, and they will have, you know, scoping studies are always got a fair bit of, um, you know, plus or minus sort of 50%, if not more. So um, as they sharpen the pencil and the uh, DFS, is, sorry, the PFS is being done at the moment, expected to be out early next year. Um, as they sharpen the pencil, usually the um, those numbers creep up a bit anyway. So, so you know, you could see a capex that's you know pushing closer to a billion um, rather than you know uh, closer to five hundred million. And so, with a market cap of that size and the capex that's potentially coming, will they definitely need a, a funding partner, be it a, a, a big brother resource company or an overseas funding partner, or do you think there's the potential that they could go it alone? Look, I think, um, you know, what we always like to see is um, companies maintaining um, the option to, to do it themselves because they put all their eggs in the, um, yep, we need a partner basket, then they're sort of um, uh, losing their negotiating power. Uh, so, yeah, look, you know, $150 million company contemplating, you know, maybe a billion-dollar funding requirement, that, that's a tough ask. But then if you put it in the context of, well, what's this project potentially worth? And, you know, the scoping study was done at um, $3 a pound copper. We're currently at, you know, $4.30 odd a pound copper. If you put those numbers into, um, you know, the scoping study, uh, you know, spreadsheet, you get um, an NPV, which is, you know, at least 10 times their current um, market cap and, and probably well north of that. So the, while there's been cost increases, um, you know, you certainly more than compensated for that with the, with the um, price, of, price of the commodity. So look, um, not impossible, a big ask. Um, you know, what you can see and, and companies like Gold Road are, are a good example of how to play it. They, they went down both those parallel options of doing it themselves or bringing in a partner. They ended up with bringing in a very experienced um, South African miner for their gold for their gold project. Um, ended up with fifty percent of the project, uh, and kept all the exploration potential around it. Um, now we would actually expect Caravel to do to do better than that um, in terms of. Uh, we'd certainly hope that they would maintain um, majority interest in the project and bring in a funding partner. And if you look at um, you know, say the Japanese, which I'm sure they're uh, they're interested in that project. If you look at how that um, some of the big Japanese conglomerates uh, participated, uh, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago in the iron ore projects in the Pilbara in Australia, 
they you know provided funding and took a you know sub 20% stake typically in these projects and and this project would be attractive to um, those sort of groups because of its long mine life and what about I mean, it's not a huge thing, but director selling shares recently, it was a small amount. I think it was about $40,000. As a fund manager, are you able to look through that? Do you investigate it much? Or if it's not a, a huge amount of their, their shareholding, do you not take much notice of it? Yeah, look, you know, it's always a negative. There's no question, Chris. Um, but uh, look, that's not a particularly significant amount, given that um, directors hold around, uh, you know, nine around 9% or management hold around 9% of the company. So that's that's really a nice chunk. Um, you know, it's, it's actually quite rare to see uh, management have uh, that big a stake in something like this. So we take a lot of heart from, yeah, you know, 40 grand is, um, is, is small beer when you compare it to the overall holding. And for, for I mean, retail investors or, or small investors perhaps that, aren't across detail as much in, in the resources space, do you think they get put off by the, the low grade of this deposit and without really investigating the metallurgy and, and the easiness of it to potentially mine one day, is that where the opportunity lies compared to other companies with maybe a, a much sexier headline grade of copper? Yeah, look, I think um, I think that's, that's definitely right. Um, yeah, you know, although, you know, we, we got in, the fund invested in... Caravel at four cents a share. You know, it's been a 10 bagger for us. Um, and normally, you know, when we, you know, have a 10 bagger, you know, um, we've got itchy fingers and, and, and looking to sell. But this, you know, um, given the uh, the NPV of the underlying project is, is a multi, you know, an order of magnitude higher than the current market cap, we think this has got, um, you know, um, plenty more upside to it. So, um, look, you know, I think when the PFS comes out, um, hopefully early next year, and it's being done by a very reputable engineering firm called Asenko, who built a huge number of projects all over the world. Um, uh, so it should be something that, uh, that document should be something that investors can really rely on. Um, when that PFS comes out and hopefully, you know, Chris, you know shows, um, you know, confirms the value, that the, that the scoping study indicated, I think that'll be another piece of validation for, for investors um, to you know, um, uh, get some confidence from. Terrific. Well, it's very hard to get some, some clean copper exposure on the ASX with the majors having so much exposure to other, uh, other metals. So um, it's a great one to have on the watch list. And, and thanks very much for coming on again, John. Oh, Chris, yeah, um, pleasure to, as always. And yeah, look, we hope that... Um, you know, uh, Caravelle, um, people might like to have a look at it and, um, you know, we've, we've got um, high hopes for it. Thanks, mate. Appreciate your time. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.